Welcome back, everyone, to Chipstock Investor. Today, we're going to cover two smaller companies. First is a tiny chip stock company called Quantum SI, and that company has been made popular in recent weeks by Kathy Wood. We'll discuss that company and whether or not it is a worthwhile add to your portfolio. And then another smaller capsed company that is called Umbrella, which Nick has covered for many years. Then finally, we get to go to Nick's Rants, and it'll be on the telecom industry today. So lots of great stuff. Stay tuned till the end. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. Contrary to what the name may imply, not a quantum computing company, but it is a chip company. And maybe let's call it a biotech company that has some proprietary semiconductor technology, quantum I. This was made famous, as you said, Casey, by Kathy Woods. ARK Invest started investing in this during the SPAC, the procedure that took place that brought this company public in the first place a couple of years ago. We'll get to that about why this company is unique in that regard in a moment. The industry flowchart here, Quantum SI, it is a fabulous chip designer. You can see that segment up here. Fabulous chip designer might be like an AMD or an NVIDIA. So they actually design these chips. And then there's an actual chip fab that manufactures the wafers for them. But here's what's interesting. In addition to designing the chips, Quantum SI went out and acquired a private chip packaging company with some of the cash they got after their IPO. This is a very small, privately held chip packaging company. After they take possession of the wafers that they've had manufactured, Quantum SI actually dices them up and packages them into the devices that they have developed. So this is a fabulous chip designer. It is a packaging company. So we'll semi include that in the chip fab segment. And then it's a tech equipment and device company. And then eventually the company also has this cloud computing software as well. So kind of a fully integrated, or at least envisioned to be eventually a fully integrated healthcare technology company. So obviously very intriguing here. We talk a lot about companies that can combine hardware and software together. This sounds cool. Casey, tell me more since you are the, of the two of us here, definitely the one that has healthcare expertise. However, I am no biologist. <laughs> and I honestly, look, looking over this technology, there's a lot I don't understand. But from what I can pinpoint, and I'll take this from this slide here that I'll show you, it points out that quantum SI technology can unlock the ability to study complex disease pathways and discover novel biomarkers. And so the way I understand this technology is that you can take a blood test and analyze it and be able to identify very specific, possibly new biomarkers or proteins in that sample. And this would be useful in developing vaccines and would definitely be useful in understanding where this disease process is coming from, how it can be prevented, and if a person already has it, how it can be treated. Really cool stuff, Casey. What's going on here? Delving further into the world of biology to figure out, at this point, no longer just the human genome, but also specific proteins and the building blocks of proteins, amino acids that are at work inside of our bodies. The company thinks that they can get better real-time analysis or close to real-time analysis in the lab with this equipment that they've developed. Maybe now would be a good time to show some slides and some pictures here of the actual chips the company has developed. 
So it's interesting in the 10K, they reference the fact that they're using existing semiconductor technology that's out there. And that makes sense because they're a tiny company. They don't have the scale needed to go out to a chip fab partner and say, we have this completely brand new novel chip that you're going to need to develop a brand new manufacturing process for. So they're leveraging chip technology and chip manufacturing capabilities already in existence. But what's really novel here is the application of the chip technology, the ability for a semiconductor to do measurements of time. A brief bit on this, the founder and chairman, his name is Jonathan Rothberg. He's been in this industry a long time. He helped build on the work of the human genome in rapidly increasing understandings of human genetics and mapping out our DNA. He was awarded the National Medal of Technology and Innovation by President Obama in 2016 for pioneering inventions and commercialization of next-gen DNA sequencing technologies. So now going beyond just DNA sequencing to the proteome, basically mapping out the proteins that actually built this stuff. Interestingly, he also founded and owns about 6% of another new publicly traded stock called Butterfly Network. They also used chip technology to put ultrasound technology on a chip, much the same way they have done here with Quantum SI. A little bit more on that chip technology. This is a quote from Brian Reed, the head of research at QSI. This is a novel semiconductor chip. It took almost 10 years to develop. It replaces an entire biophysics lab full of optical equipment, and it essentially takes fluorescent measurements. The company has the system where you add fluorescent markers, and those fluorescent markers indicate the presence of certain proteins. And then what the chip does is it has a pixel detector that projects laser light electronically instead of optically, and it can read the time decay of that fluorescent marker. So again, I think I would just emphasize the company's novel approach here is taking existing technology that's out there and coming up with a new use case for it, in this case for mapping out proteins, which can, as you said, Casey, can help with development of new treatments. So Nick, is there any other technology out there like this? Or does this company have competitors? Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of competitors. If it's a big pharma or biotech company or even startups working on the same stuff, research labs around the world, you name it, there's probably a competitor working on something similar to this. We'll see, though. The company has this patent library now at this point that might offer some protections. But basically, they're trying to sell this equipment to competitors. And the reason why a competitor might want to just simply become a customer is utilizing and leveraging chip technology allows a company to do something at scale. This system, it's called Platinum, that leverages the chip technology that Quantum SI design is about $70,000. It fits on a researcher's desktop and they can take a sample and have completely mapped out the proteins in that sample within a day. So there are existing technologies out there that can do this, including some cloud-based solutions that can rapidly thread through massive amounts of data involved with mapping out proteins, but it's more expensive and it takes long to get a result. 
that's really the compelling reason why someone might want to buy this right now is it's far cheaper to purchase and get started. This brings up an interesting point in my mind. This company is selling this product for pretty reasonable, really, in this space. And they have a slide here with competitors. It's the cheapest and the most comprehensive testing for proteome mapping. In this slide, it makes a couple of interesting key points about the potential for this technology. It says 85% of the human proteome is currently undrugged. And so there's potential for game-changing drug development. Now, this company, Quantum SI, is not going to be doing the drug development. It's selling the devices that pharmaceutical companies can use to aid them in the development of new treatments and new drugs for disease processes. So keep that in mind while I show you this next slide. Here's the Q1 2023 financial highlights. It says there is 254,000, not millions, thousands, 254,000 in revenue and $449,000 on order. This company last quarter sold three to four units, give or take, and has about six units on order, give or take. So this is tiny, Nick, and the potential for revenue is really with the company that uses this product versus this company that's supplying this product. Am I understanding that right? Absolutely. This is the type of company we often call in the investing world a picks and shovels play. So maybe you look at like the wide, wild world of biotech and pharmaceutical, and you have these FDA tests and trials, and it's just regulatory hoop after regulatory hoop. And maybe you think, let's just go with a picks and shovels play. And maybe Quantum SI will be a viable picks and shovels play for this industry. But I think you make a good point here, Casey, because as cool as this technology is, as it stands right now, the market for this hardware, and thus also the software that apparently is ready to go, is very limited. And let's say a biotech lab buys this stuff, puts it to use, and is able to develop this brand new novel treatment. This is a very different economic model than what we historically cover and invest in here at Chipstock Investor. It's not like where other areas, let's say the electric vehicle industry, the EV industry, for example, if you have an automaker startup that takes off, and maybe everyone's looking for the next Tesla. Most of the economic benefit there actually doesn't go to that automaker startup. It actually flows to the picks and shovels, the companies that develop all of the myriad of technologies and chips and software and everything that goes into making the modern vehicle. This is a very different economic model where the picks and shovels, at least as far as we can tell right now, has limited upside potential on what they can earn. And the actual real money is given to the companies that develop the end treatment. That's just how the regulatory model, the FDA and other regulatory government organizations around the world have worked, where they incentivize the economic benefit to go to the treatments themselves. So I worry about this one. It's an interesting company. The technology is fascinating. What they've been able to develop is fascinating. Obviously, some very smart people working at this business. But... Casey, as you have pointed out to me in the past, though, knowledge of the sciences, be it in the medical field, explicitly in the medical field or in biology or whatever, doesn't always translate to 
the skill set needed to starting and growing a new business. And so that's my worry here at this point. Cool company. I'm not really sure how much upside there is. Why don't you give us a rundown on what investing in this company looks like at the moment? What's the valuation? Yeah, Casey, this is a wild one. It's making a big comeback this year because I think everyone was reminded this is a Kathy Woodstock. It's an ARK Invest stock. The ARK Invest Genomic Revolution ETF has been buying Quantum SI. So a big rebound in stock price. I don't know, Casey, maybe this is like the next intuitive surgical. If you buy just a few shares now and then sit on it for the next two decades, which I didn't do when I bought a sort of startup-ish company called Intuitive Surgical in the mid-2000s. Big difference here, though, when I bought Intuitive Surgical in 05, 06, through end of 08 time range, Intuitive Surgical was no longer a startup. They were generating already hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and in net profit. You already mentioned Quantum SI, $254,000 in revenue last quarter. This company basically is still a startup, like an actual startup. They don't earn meaningful revenue at this point, burning through tens of millions of dollars in cash. And yet the company has an enterprise value that is market cap minus cash and short-term investments on the books of well over $100 million. Okay, let's say you get really excited about this company and what their potential is. Seriously, folks, get off of the Kathy Wood hype bandwagon. This is what got a lot of investors in trouble in 2021 and 2022. This is a startup company if you decide to buy, and I think that should be a very big if. This should be a tiny position, and it should be part of a basket of at least a couple dozen small bets on other companies like it. Because by and large, when you invest in a company like this, the overwhelming probability is that you lose money. There's an even greater probability that you maybe make some money on the stock, but you lose to the market. And a very remote, like one in several thousand chance that you've bought the next intuitive surgical early on. So that's all I really have to say about valuation, because this is there's no valuation really to make of this one, a company that doesn't really earn revenue yet. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick, on this company. There's some really amazing claims being made out there, including this semiconductor chip company could be expanding to home testing sometime in 2024. Now, maybe it will provide home testing, but for what exactly? Like to what end? Will it be something that's like actually usable or will it be something that is a fad? I don't know. Great point. This is the problem with trying to chase stocks that are some people are trying to hype to the moon. And Casey, I think ultimately at the end of the day, you are a pretty well-educated person that worked in the medical field and you did a lot of research to help me understand this company better over the last couple of weeks. And you struggled just to figure out what exactly it is the company does in simple layperson terms. Whenever you start hearing outlandish claims like that about what a business could soon do, and someone who's educated and in the industry has a hard time figuring out what it is they do right now, <laughs> presently, not what they could do later on, but like right now, what are they actually presently selling? And you can't explain it. Think twice and maybe a third time before you hit the buy button. 
And if you do, after thinking about it and reflecting on it, be cautious, folks. Be cautious. This is a weird one. I'm many years removed from my biology class, but ultimately, it sounds like really cool technology, but let's see how the application of it goes in the future. Okay, enough said about that. Now for our next company, Umbrella. Nick has an article coming up soon about this company, but we wanted to take a closer look into some of the details here. So first, we'll have Nick explain to us what exactly Umbrella does. All right, to the industry flowchart. For starters, Casey, this is a simple one. It is a fabulous chip designer. So think NVIDIA, AMD, a company that designs chips but does not manufacture them. They tap into the manufacturing capabilities of a dedicated third-party chip manufacturing foundry and concern themselves solely with actually designing the chips themselves. So this is an AI company. The last time we took a serious look at Umbrella was actually long before this channel even got started. It was in early 2022. It was becoming increasingly apparent that certain companies, especially those that are in more volatile markets like consumer markets, even some areas of the enterprise market, were beginning to deal with a coming excess of chips, too much inventory for what their customers needed. And Umbrella definitely fell into this basket. Interestingly, though, the stock has traded sideways since the first half of 2022. And so even as revenue has fallen in recent quarters, quite dramatically, more than 30% fallen revenue, there's a lot of optimism surrounding the stock. So in their latest quarter, they reported that Roughly 60% of their revenues are now explicitly tied to AI versus about 45% of revenues last year being, especially for AI, and then the year before that, something around 25%. So historically, this company made its name supplying video compression chips for GoPro. If you remember back in the mid-2010s, 2014, 2015, 2016, a ton of hype around GoPro and those ultra high definition action cameras, they were getting into the drone market and Umbrella went to the moon along with GoPro on all this optimism. But remember to our Broadcom video where I explained the difference between enterprise markets and consumer markets, uh, that was not at all a sustainable growth trend for GoPro and thus was not sustainable for Umbrella either. The company crashed and it's been spending the last few years diversifying into enterprise AI. And so today, the company markets itself as an edge AI semiconductor designer. It sounds like they did what they needed to do in diversifying, but what exactly does that mean? What are they designing for in the AI space? And you mentioned the EV market as well. Yes. So specifically, edge, and whenever you hear like edge device, basically what that means is it's a device that a consumer or a user uses, like it's the last stop where the device actually interacts with the physical realm, or maybe I should say the world that we can see and perceive with our senses. Versus the quantum realm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or I was thinking maybe even just the digital realm, which is also actually, it's part of the physical world, but it's not something we can read readily perceive with our senses. Or it can mean the quantum realm too. Enough nerdy stuff. What that means is this company design semiconductors that help with the processing of specifically 
video. So they've taken their roots in video and they're now on their third generation CV3 chip. The CV stands for computer vision. And so these chips help when a camera takes in video or images, these chips help process what it is exactly the computer system is looking at or seeing. So obvious end market here would be autonomous driving. The company has been working with a lot of automakers and auto suppliers and developing advanced driver assist systems. One of the very first markets that they transitioned to was actually the security camera market. A security camera, maybe it's on a car, maybe it's in a commercial building, maybe it's even the home security market. Camera sees something going on and umbrellas chips help classify what it is the camera is saying and then maybe runs that data further up the chain to the processor, the main processor in the system, which makes a decision on what that data is. And industrial robotics. So maybe you have a robotic arm that utilizes a camera as it's manufacturing something on a manufacturing line. So the CV chips, they're on their third generation CV3. And when they say edge AI, that's what they're talking about. A device like a car, a camera, or a robotic arm in a manufacturing facility, for example, make use of vision and using AI to classify what that camera is capturing. So this isn't AI training like what NVIDIA does. This is actually AI inference. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, absolutely. So folks, if you haven't seen it yet, I had this awesome opportunity to interview Danny Shapiro at NVIDIA, the vice president of automotive at NVIDIA, where we talked about that. NVIDIA, the leader in AI training, that gets the AI system ready to go. The algorithm has been trained. That needs to happen first. And now a company like Umbrella, its chips can be actually applied in the computing system because now there's an algorithm that can actually handle the data that Umbrella's chips are processing at the edge. So this is inference, like you said, Casey. The AI system's been trained already. Now inference needs to happen where the algorithm is put to use in the real world. Okay, let's move on to financials for this company. And why are we bringing this stock up now? As mentioned in that interview with Danny Shapiro at NVIDIA, it seems as a result of all of these new AI algorithms having been trained the last few years, they're now starting to come to market. We're beginning to hit an inflection point where this type of AI can actually have real world use. And so this could eventually have big benefit for Umbrella. As I mentioned already, the company's still dealing with some industry headwinds, excess inventory out there. The rebound in the China market where a lot of Umbrella's chips go to support security cameras that utilize computer vision, the automotive market, a lot of their chips go into like the webcams that either get pre-installed or aftermarket installed on a car there. The economy not rebounding as quickly as expected this year. So we're probably looking at an expected rebound and return to growth for Umbrella in calendar year 2024. When that happens, it appears that analysts think it could be a very dramatic rebound for Umbrella. Currently, the company decreasing, revenue decreasing over 30% on a year-over-year -year basis, but all of that could be reversed in 2024 if expectations are met. And maybe this is a company that sustains growth and hits new all-time revenue highs by 2025. Again, if the inflection point is here for edge AI because of all the AI training that has taken place, 
Umbrella could sail through and well beyond the $300 million in annualized revenue before too long, maybe achieve $400 million in annualized revenue and beyond that within the next couple of years. And because this is such a tiny company, market cap of just over $3 billion, as a company reaches greater scale, especially a fabulous company like this that relies on a third-party foundry like TSMC, their profit margins tend to increase dramatically as they get broader adoption and greater revenue. So this is one we're, to be clear, not buying right now, but it's one that's on our watch list the second half of calendar year 2023, because we're interested to see what the company's management has to say about calendar year 2024. And if you look through the 10K form, you'll find that this company has a number of competitors, some big names here, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, Texas Instruments, NXP Semiconductors, Mobileye. These are all very well-established, large companies that are competitors of Umbrella. Yeah, competition is always something to bear in mind. And I think that's a valid thing to keep in mind with this one, Casey, because if this edge AI movement is the real deal, a lot of these very large, well-funded companies could encroach on Umbrella's turf. We're pretty familiar with this company. We've been following it for many years, dating back to the time when it was a hot stock in the GoPro era. Management has not been able to layer past successes with new successes. And that's an issue. That's one of the beauties of the semiconductor industry is if you have a company that kind of gets itself well entrenched in a specific market and that market stabilizes, and then they can add another layer on top of that with a new chip design. That's like the beauty of the semiconductor industry. And Umbrella has not met that criteria yet. So competitors could squash Umbrella being able to establish itself in its core market here. And that's why, okay, $3 billion, I think a lot of investors maybe don't think that's a market cap. The technical definition is up to $2 billion. But in the semiconductor industry, especially, but I think in other industries as well, I think that's an outdated definition. This is a small company. It's tiny. And so this is one that you should file away as high risk, potentially high reward. Do with that information as you will. For us, that means it's on watch right now. And if we buy it, it would be a very small position that kind of goes into our basket of more speculative bets. Time to move on to our bonus round of Nick's rants on telecom stocks. And we're talking about companies like AT&T and Verizon. Yeah, let's focus on those two. AT&T, which had a disastrous earnings report last week, the stock plummeted to new lows that haven't been seen since the 1990s. That was the big headline there. I think a lot of investors interested in maybe buying for the short term, maybe hope for a quick rebound. For you and I, Casey, we exited all telecom stocks years ago. We had a sizable position in Verizon for a number of years because it was cheap. And it paid a hefty dividend, uh, 4.5%, 5% dividend for the duration of the time that we owned it. But ultimately, we made no money on it after several years. And here's the issue and why we stress, first and foremost, as outlined in our video about how our investment process works. We utilize basically a top-down model where we first want to be well acquainted with an industry Next, how the business models work within the industry, and then we get into the business itself, how they fit within the patchwork of companies within an industry, and valuation last. 
So here's the issue with telecoms. They are in a very difficult position because they can't scale that well. Building a telecom network is ridiculously expensive and the capital intensity involved with that is not diminishing. We're now in the 5G era. 5G is getting deployed. Chip companies already sometimes mentioning 6G, possibly by 2030 or the early 2030s. So the expense involved with building these networks is not going to diminish. And telecom companies end up with basically a fixed payment. In return for building these increasingly expensive networks, they get fixed payments from subscribers, be it you and I as consumers or businesses, because they've been deemed a utility by governments. So they're capped in what they can charge. And ironically, what they support with these mobile networks and sometimes also actual internet service networks is they support the world's most scalable businesses, software, be it traditional software or cloud-based software, whatever. So these telecom companies being compressed on both sides, they have an inability to scale up their revenue. You're stuck with at best mid single digit revenue growth, supporting an explosion of data, infinitely scalable business models. Here's where things get even worse. I think telecom companies should have recognized this years ago and invested in the software component of their business. It's a natural fit. Instead, what AT&T and Verizon did was they invested at exactly the wrong time, media giants, media empires. And as has become very clear to, I think everybody now is the traditional media business is, you could almost say dying, a very slow, painful death. So they invested at the peak and AT&T and Verizon both had to unwind uh, those acquisitions that they made. Verizon had acquired AOL and Yahoo and had to reverse that. AT&T had invested in Time Warner. And of course that spun off and merged with Discovery last year. So they took on even more debt than they already had for businesses that didn't generate any return on investment for them. These things are a disaster. This is why we are in general not interested in telecom stocks. And if you decide to buy, I think at best, this is something that you buy for the very short term, like you get a short term pop in the stock price because it's been sold off maybe too much, but these are not a viable long-term investment at all. End of rant. That's a wrap for our coverage today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and hit the bell so you get the notifications for each of our videos. We will see you back later this week at Chipsock Investor.